Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. Your business is going places. And with the new Scotiabank Passport Visa Infinite Business Card, so are you. Enjoy no foreign transaction fees, six complimentary airport lounge visits, and one and a half times the points on all purchases for your business. Even better? Apply now and earn up to $500 in bonus rewards. The new Scotiabank Passport Visa Infinite Business Card. Visit scotiabank.com slash passport business to learn more. Conditions apply. We understand that running a small business can get complicated. That's why Canada Post Solutions for Small Business offers end-to-end -end services and tools that help grow your business, plus save you time and money. Visit canadapost.ca forward slash small business for simple solutions. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show where entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast and further away are leaning in for the next story of on, on entrepreneurship. And uh, you know what I love about this guy is one, he's a really cool guy based on what I'm learning about him. But he, the way that uh, when I connected with him on Skype, his, his comment was, yo, it's always <laughs> a cool indication. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Jarvis is an entrepreneur entrepreneur and author who believes in the power of one and that bigger isn't always better when it comes to business. Paul describes himself as a designer who likes writing and a writer who likes design and has used these skills to build the online presences of professional athletes as Steve Nash and Shaquille O'Neal. 
Paul has worked with corporate giants like Microsoft, Warner Brothers, and Mercedes-Benz, and shares his skills with others through online courses that have been taken by more than 13,000 students. So cool. Paul has been featured in Wired, Fast Company, Vice, USA Today, and in 2019, Paul published Company of One, his book all about the power of one, working for yourself, and why staying small and avoiding growth can be a durable solution for business. In today's episode, We're going to talk to Paul about how he has turned his freelance work into a successful company of one, the power of investing time and energy into online communities, and of course, the book, which you're all going to want to buy after we have this conversation. Paul, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, it's great. And by the way, he's from Vancouver Island. I'm in Fredericton. This is the other beauty of uh, of how we can all make this happen in this great country. So, so Paul, I want to I want to dive into the book Company of One, and uh, you know what what kind of started that uh, that uh, kind of brain juice that said I want to write a book centered around that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I think I got the idea the way I think all business books start. I was out for a surf uh, with my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Sure. Yeah. So I was out for, I, I used to live in Tofino, which if anybody has been to, to the West coast of Canada, I know that's like a, a little surfing village on the Island here. Right. And my buddy was also working for himself at the time. And we were just, we were just talking as you do while you're, while you're bobbing up and down waiting for waves. And it was, I think it was like September or August. And he was like, dude, I've made enough for the year. So I'm going to go travel and rock climb. And then he takes off on a wave and I'm just sitting there and like, what did you just say to me? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. I have questions. When he paddled back around, we started to talk about it and he was like, well, I know how much my business needs to, to make enough. And he said that if if I, I could make more than I'm making now, but it would be diminishing returns because the money I've made up till now is enough to to like pay my mortgage and my car to put money into savings to save money for CRA like it it's like if I worked more I wouldn't actually get more out of it so why why do that and I thought about this and I was like wow that kind of makes sense yeah what were you doing up to that point in time? Well, I was working for myself as well, and I was I was a web designer and an online business consultant, and I had never wanted to grow my business just because I don't like I'm not a I'm not very good at managing other people. I'd rather do the work than yeah. show other people or tell other people how to do the work. I'm just not managing isn't really my forte, and right. but I had still been working really hard. Like I'd still been working. Like okay, I've got this many hours in the day. I can spend this many hours working. Let's do it. And then when I started to talk to him about that, I was like, I don't actually need to do all of that all of the time. Like I was still a very driven person, but sure. I just, there's like that diminishing returns point where it's like, if I have enough, if I've made enough, if my business is enough, then maybe I can spend a little bit more time surfing. <laughs> and so how do you, so this is interesting. What's your buddy's name? Klee. Klee. Oh, so I love that name. Yeah, South Klee. African guy. Yeah, brilliant. So, but it's somewhere along the lines, though, the money runs out, and so does he? Did he talk to you about when he kicks back into the next uh, season of his business? Yeah, he just basically would take a couple months off a year, and once he had reached enough, and then just get back into it the next year. He was uh, a freelance accountant, so basically, okay. he would get all of his work done through tax season, through the busy right. season, and then right. he's like, "Okay, if I don't need to work, maybe, maybe I can." 
I can recharge my batteries a bit, go traveling, and then and then come back to it. So so you had that conversation with Clee, and it, then you said, I have to write a book, or did you just start to live that lifestyle? Yeah, I lived that life for many years. Uh, uh, talk about <laughs> it. That's so cool. So yeah. what happened next? Um, I just kind of, it was kind of a reprioritization and it was around that I had just actually moved to Tofino as well. And at at the the time before that, I was living um, downtown Vancouver on Robson Street, one of the busiest streets in Canada. And it was just very, like I was part of the the startup scene in, in Vancouver when that was getting going. And it was just, it was very busy. There was a lot of things going on. I was always kind of moving. And then I realized like, this is like, this a lot like this is giving me stress and anxiety and it's kind of burning me out a bit so my wife Mm. and I decided like hey let's uh let's take a break (laughs) move to Tofino on the edge of on the edge of Canada and uh just start to reprioritize and then I had that conversation with my buddy and then I just started to think like okay what can I change in my business to make my business work for me in a better way like what can I do to optimize for what I've got instead of just trying to go after more 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 because more doesn't really have a definition when you think about it it's like running to yeah it does it has a definition of more it doesn't have a finite (laughs) ending to it exactly So, so, uh, so what were some, some, uh, techniques, um, uh, strategies that you used and I'm also, and what's your wife's name? Lisa. Lisa or Alisa? Lisa. Okay. Yeah. So how did, and let's dive into that right now. So you came back to talk to Lisa and you said, I got this whole new idea how we can live. One, what was she doing at the time from a professional perspective? Uh, and maybe she wasn't doing anything and that's fine. But, uh, and how did you two collectively say this is a good idea? Because there's a lot of people that work as quote unquote freelancers as life partners and uh, would love to do what you're doing. So can you walk us through that, that journey, that conversation? conversation? Yeah. So she was kind of feeling the same. Luckily, I mean, very luckily, she was kind of feeling the same way. She was a, she was a postie. She was working for Canada Post at the time. Okay. <laughs> postie. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, she was doing the same thing. She was getting up at three or four in the morning. A lot of people don't realize that posties have to go and sort the mail before they do the routes. So she was on a business route. So she was getting up at three or four in the morning, heading, heading down to their main depot and getting to work. And she was kind of getting burned out as well. And so we both kind of came to the decision like, okay, this is actually going to be good for for both of us to kind of to kind of leave. And originally it was just to leave for a little bit. And then it kind of stuck because we still live (laughs) on the island in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, she became, she was a surf instructor when we moved to Tofino, which is probably the best job ever. And I know because I've had a lot of jobs. And so she was teaching people how to surf uh, while we lived in Tofino, which was, which was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant, man. I love it. I love it. So, so, okay. So drive us to this book and I'm going to get more into your life lifestyle here in a bit, but I, I'm, I'm curious as to at what point did you get, I have to write a book because one, what did you get to? You had to write a book and what was your end goal of writing the book and uh, where are you at in achieving that if you haven't already received it? 
Yeah, so it's fine. So I write a newsletter every week. Um, I just send out a an, an email newsletter through Mailchimp uh, once a week. It's called the Sunday Dispatches because I send it out on Sunday. And nice. one of the and it's just an article that I I've been a writer for a long time, so I, I like to write. And I wrote an article. This is probably about three three and a half years ago. And I just I wanted to explain to people kind of my business philosophy around um, challenging and questioning growth. And so I. Found Felt like I felt like I was the only person who thought like this, so I was just like, I'm just going to explain to my subscribers, this is kind of how I approach business and why I do business and why I like to challenge this growth mindset. And so I wrote the article, I sent it out. I usually get uh, between 150 to 250 replies um, for each newsletter. Yeah, and I think I got like. 12 or 1300 <laughs> replies to that one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it was mostly people saying like, I thought I was the only one who didn't want to grow <laughs> a massive business with hundreds of employees. And I was like, I think I'm onto something. <laughs> <laughs> there's something here. And then, yeah. And then that was like, okay, I, I think there's a book here and I think I'm the person to, to write it. Okay, so you decided you were going to start writing, with, and was the objective just purely to throw it to the universe and see what happens, or did you uh, did you try to incorporate it into other stuff that you were doing as a revenue generator? What was the what was the the the, the, the raison d'être? Yeah, I mean, I, I've written a few books before, and they've all been self published, and I real mm. I figured like. I wonder what traditional publishing is like, kind of the way that I approach <laughs> everything. I was like, I wonder what it would be like to traditionally publish. So I actually, I, I, a lot of what I do relates to my mailing list. So I asked my mailing list one day, I was like, does uh, anybody know a literary agent? And it was in an email, and I think it was a like a year-end email. So I was talking about all the things I did, all the things I was working towards. And like one line out of like four or 5,000 words. I haven't met a word count I haven't liked to smash before, so it was a long email. <laughs> and one of the lines in it was just like, hey, does anybody know a, a lit agent? Yeah. And I got a lot of replies to that. You've got your audience really engaged in what it is you're doing. I do. They're the most important people because they're the people who are paying attention to me. They're the people who buy my stuff. So I like to have an active dialogue with them basically every single weekend. And when you say they're buying stuff from you, what are they buying from you, Paul? Uh, they're buying, I have a couple software products, I have a couple courses, and I host a few podcasts that have advertisers that um, my audience listens to. Right on. And so you're talking to, by the way, everybody puts Shaquille O'Neal on their bio <laughs> that they work with them. Get a new one, dude. <laughs> no, I want to dive into that in a bit. We know Steve Nash, the famous Canadian. Actually, I think he did. He, didn't he win two MVPs in the uh, in the NBA? I believe so. Yeah, I don't actually. Yeah, I don't yeah, watch yeah. much basketball. To be it was honest. a while ago when he was doing it, but I think he, I think it was uh, it was pretty pretty special given that he was a Canadian and he won that. Anyway, so so um, so. All of this relates to you building a business centered around designing and writing specifically for, you know, the, in, in, on the online world. Can you talk about that journey or the importance of that as it relates to having a lifestyle business in your opinion? 
Yeah. So I think I, I, I've always done things online. It's funny. I got, um, yeah, I got my first computer in the nineties. Um, I went to university of Toronto for computer science only for a little bit though. I didn't, I didn't finish. I ended up dropping out to to work, but I've always been interested in, um, the relationship between people and society and technology. So that's always been something that's fascinating to me. I also like that I, running a digital business, I don't have to be in one Like I can move from Toronto to Vancouver, Vancouver to Tofino, Tofino to South Island. Like I can, I can kind yeah. of run my business from wherever. I don't, yeah, I don't like to do a lot of th- things in person aren't really where I excel. So I like yes. that I can do things. I'm super introverted as well. So <laughs> it really helps that I can be at home and, and do all these things and reach all these. Like I can send an email that reaches 35,000 people from my, yeah. like I can sit in my Costco sweatpants and do that. It's yeah, pretty, isn't that brilliant? It's pretty awesome. And I think you're what they, what they call it is it an ambivert or an ambivert because I'm kind of one of these ones too. As, as I said, I'm like right now, you are not coming across as an introvert, and <laughs> I'm not either. But you know, Friday nights, I want to shut her down and close the door and have nobody go near me. Yep. And uh, so I think that's a little bit of both. I mean, you're doing two podcasts. You've obviously got a connection with thirty five thousand people. But yeah, ultimately, in us is this introvert uh, personality. So, um, so how does, how, how do you, you know, let's talk about that if we could about for somebody that's listening to you right now, they're saying, okay, all I've heard is the best way to develop relationships is to, is to get connected with people and doing it really online doesn't really work because you don't have the face to face. You don't have the voice to voice. How would you respond to that? Um, I think that there, there's still a, a way to do it. Like I, I connect with people mostly through my writing. I mean, that's what writers have done for centuries right. <laughs> and that's right. what people have done with, but, and I think even with podcasts, I think that it's such an interesting time to have a business. Like when you think about it, even 20 years ago, like the only way to have your voice heard by others was to work for a radio station and get approved by yeah. the CRTC and like all of these gatekeepers existed in the past that don't anymore. Anybody that wants to share something can start a newsletter for free. They can start a podcast for free. Like there's just so many ways to connect directly with an audience now without gatekeepers. People can write books. They don't need a publishing deal. I wrote lots of books before I even had a publishing deal. You can publish them on Amazon. You just create an account on KDP and you're good to go. So I think now is a great time to to be utilizing things like this. Like I, I live on unincorporated land. It's not like I can get together face to face with a bunch of entrepreneurs. <laughs> there aren't yeah. that many. There really aren't right. that many where I live. I mean, I could go to Vic and, and meet up with some, which I do. But yeah. it's I can kind of shape my life around the life that I want. And you actually brought this. You brought up um, lifestyle business. I can talk about that for a second. Yeah, let's do it. Sure, absolutely. Every single business is a lifestyle business. Every single Ah. choice you make in your career is a choice that you're making about the lifestyle that you want. If you work for a if you work for a huge company, then you're saying like, okay, I'm, my lifestyle is going to be that I work probably nine to five, maybe a little bit longer and I have weekends off. Or if you work for a high growth startup or a VC backed startup, you're not going to have a life. You're probably going to sleep on your couch in your office. And so I want a business that supports my life, not a life that supports my business. Mm. And the reason I'm in business is because I want to be able to control my freedom. doesn't Mm. mean I'm not going to work hard. It doesn't 
doesn't mean I'm going to do everything I can to support my customers, but it means that I, if it's my business, Rivers, I want like I want to make the choices. You want to be in control. I Absolutely. do. Yeah, and that's that's why I've been an entrepreneur for twenty years. So. I, before I, before I, uh, and we're not ending this conversation yet. I'm really enjoying <laughs> it. Um, I, I want to make sure everybody knows how to get a copy of your book because I think this is incredible uh, value that you're one bringing to the uh, to the show today. But also, I think it can extend to a lot of people that are are just looking for something different in either their role as an entrepreneur or they're in corporate work, uh, Canada now. And I want to say, I, I like what this guy's saying. How do they, how do they get a copy of your book? Yeah, the book is on Amazon. The book is in chapters Indigo. It's in a lot of indie bookstores in Canada, which is great. Uh, I've got, dist- mm. I've got a Canadian distributor here. So it's pretty much available anywhere that uh, nonfiction books are sold, which is awesome. But Amazon is where a lot of people get them, but you can also support local indie bookstores too, which, which I like. Cool. Yeah, of course, of course. Company One by Paul Jarvis. So uh, let's dive into the Shaquille O'Neal thing. First of all, <laughs> how did that come about? Yeah, so in the beginning, it's funny, when I, when I started working for myself, my first clients were um, pro sports athletes because I was working with an agency. Really? Yeah, I was working with an agency that worked with a lot of agents okay. for athletes, and a lot of agents represent more than one athlete so it just kind of snowballed it was a niche that i that i got into and this was around this was in the this was a long time ago <laughs> this, this was in the 90s when the internet was just kind of getting going and all of these athletes were and they were smart too because this is kind of ahead of their time they understood that they were a brand and that they could sell yeah. things to people that was their brand so Shaq could sell like Shaq t-shirts to people Right. And it, and they could mm-hmm. do that through the internet. They could do that through like e-commerce, which at the time was very, very difficult. It's not like today where anybody can right. set up a Shopify account in like five minutes. <laughs> right. It was a lot of work, but, but there were some athletes like, like Steve Nash and Shaquille O'Neal who were at the forefront of that. And um, yeah, just really wanted to, to get online and start doing things online. So I think I built Shaq his first e-commerce site. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Did you keep a picture of it? Did you capture what it looked um, like? It's probably on the way back machine. It was, Rivers, it was bad. <laughs> like I, it wasn't, it, so I'll preface that with, it wasn't bad at the time, but yeah, where the web has come in this many years, it's it would be bad if it still existed. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> well, you know, I, he, and he is a brand uh, genius. I just love how he has really developed his whole persona on uh, after, after the NBA, not just necessarily during it. So, yeah. so that's cool. Um, so, so, so you have built your audience and uh, you are a brand and and I think this is an interesting play here is the uh is the the is that people think you got to have 50 million Taylor Swift followers in order to be a brand can you talk about your journey and building your brand and how you know well you've got you've got more than a thousand but there's this thing going around now or maybe it's been around for a while about all you need is a thousand really committed people to your journey what's your thinking on that paul yeah i mean it it depends on what you do so when i was doing design and consulting i only needed 15 clients a year to make a great living 
Like nice. I was charging them a lot. They were long projects. It did. My audience had to be. My audience didn't need to be big. My audience. I think my mailing list at the time was maybe a few hundred people, and that right. was it. Like that was all I needed. The only reason why I've built my audience to the size it's at now is because I sell things like books that are fifteen to twenty dollars. So yes, I can't yes. just sell fifteen books at fifteen dollars <laughs> and make a living. <laughs> There needs to be volume. So I think when when we're thinking about our business, we need to think about, okay, what's the thing that we're selling? How much are we selling it for? And what kind of volume do we need to make it work? And I didn't get into products right away either. I spent like 15 years working with clients, developing my skills, building that audience. So when I did do when I did branch out into products, when I did branch out into selling like courses and books and that, I had that audience where I, I could reach that. I could reach a, a critical volume of them where I could make a living off of them. And right now, like I don't actually need to grow my audience right now. Like I like that my mailing list is at a size where, and this is the primary vehicle that I talk to them. So if it right. was say ten times bigger, I would get ten times more emails, and I wouldn't be able to reply to them. And I like to right. reply to these people because they're the ones buying my stuff. They're the ones invested in paying attention to my business. Having these relationships is the most important part of my business mm-hmm. because I can get to know them directly and see what they're working on, see what they're struggling with, see how I can help them. And right. so growth in that perspective, like I don't need to grow my audience. It, it grows organically now just by virtue of people sharing my stuff. But I don't need to focus on that in my business at the moment because it's enough. It's the, uh, how, do, how do you, I mean, you do podcast. Uh, is there any other form of quote unquote social media you use to, to drive, to drive uh, an audience or deeper audience to your mailing list or to engage with people? Um, I'm on Twitter, but mostly for sarcasm. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not on, Yo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on LinkedIn. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not, I just don't, I would rather spend, I would rather spend time on fostering meaningful engagement than just try to be. And I, I don't have time to be in all the places and I want to just be, and that's why I focus on my list because I'd rather focus on conversations with people there than try to be on all of the platforms and try to do all of the things. I'm only one person. I don't have time to, <laughs> to do right. all of that. So people find my stuff basically now by if they read something, they share my articles. A lot. Like people share my articles on Facebook all the time. I don't have to be there, which is nice. Right. And people listen to my podcast and it, it and they share it on lists on their like top freelance podcasts, or they tell other people about it. And it's kind right. it kind of grows organically. Like if I foster on or if I focus on retention over acquisition, the acquisition happens because I'm focused on the retention piece. Right, 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 right. Yeah, brilliant. I, mean, it's a deep, you know, it, it's, I always say business is a dating game. It's exactly what you're doing. You're deepening your relationship with your customers and subsequently having a stronger relationship with them that lasts the test of time. Talking about time, what do you say to somebody, well, there's a couple of questions uh, coming off of this, but what do you say to somebody who is listening in right now and they say, well, what about retirement? You know, what about the old retirement mode? How do you plan for that? And your 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 friend Cleet, you know, he puts some side for for investments. Are you one of these guys? You're just gonna you're just gonna work until it's ready to go, or are you actually planning for that time when you can not have to work for five, six, ten years, whatever? 
yes to both. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't picture I can't picture myself retiring. Like I love mm. my job. It doesn't feel like work mm. most of the time. Like obviously sometimes it does, but most of the time it's enjoyable. But I also have always lived well below my means and I put money into my RRSPs and I I, I invest right. money all the time. So like I, I could retire in a little while if I wanted to, but right. I would rather, and I think for me, retirement is just knowing that I don't have to work anymore, yeah. but I'm yeah. working just because I want. Even my dad, like he retired, he's, he's old now, but he retired probably... 15 years ago and the day that he retired I think he maybe took one day off and then he just started painting like painting uh, houses and yeah. that just because like he likes doing something like he likes yeah. to feel used I kind of feel like I I inherited that I just I like feeling useful I like feeling valuable to other people so probably won't work five days a week when when I'm his age and is in his 80s but yeah. I still feel like if I have something valuable to add then then I then I'd like to work a bit for sure yeah, well, it's uh, I I I remember remember one time my financial advisor she says when do you want to retire and I said I really don't understand the question <laughs> what does that mean anyway yeah and uh, so so that's cool so the other question associated with time uh, how big's your how big's your your list right now your mailing list I, I think it's about thirty five thousand. Thirty-five thousand. Okay, yeah. and yes, it makes sense to somebody to nur- to us to hear we hear it nurture that relationship. You can only respond to so many, but you had to have started at some point in time with one. Yes. How did you, how did you start that? Were you for your first five hundred? How did you do that? Yeah, and so in, in that phase, it made sense. Like growth made sense in that phase because I didn't have a big, en- I didn't have a big enough audience to, to to reach the volume I needed for the for the revenue that I needed to, yes. to live my life and be profitable as a business. So I did things like writing guest posts, doing podcast interviews, trying mm-hmm. to show up. Because I think the thing with a lot of people is that there an audience for what they do exists. That yes. audience just doesn't know who they are yet. Yeah. Right. So they're paying attention to somebody else. So how can you become a blip on the radar of those other people? How can you start to engage in communities where people who would be part of your audience, if they knew who you were, are already paying attention, where they're already engaging, where they're already spending their time? And that's that's really what I did for the first couple of years. And on, on the other side of that, that the, the piece that a lot of people miss is that I have never missed a Sunday. Like every Sunday I send out an article that I've written, except when I take a, like I, I don't write articles in November and December because nobody's paying attention then anyways. Okay. But for every other Sunday, like I, I started this in, I think November 6th, 2012. Yes. I don't like, I, I don't go three months and be like, oh, sorry guys. I, I, I yeah. haven't had time to email. It's like, no, I, you're getting an email on Sunday if you're on my mailing list. And I did. I've done that every day, every every week. Sorry for for six years. And do you do you write that on a Saturday? You write it on a Sunday? Oh no, I'm not a good enough writer to write it the day before. <laughs> I'm typically four to six weeks ahead of schedule, so that way <laughs> I can get it to my copy editor. I can pass it by some some people that I know to try to get it. Because River, if I have a typo in the email, I'm going to get a hundred extra emails pointing out the typo. <laughs> so it's not in my best. In, it's not in my best interest to be quick. <laughs> oh, that's funny, dude. Yeah, 
the reason I asked that, I started a, uh, a community about five months ago, Headspace for Entrepreneurs, and part of that is Headspace Friday. And, uh, and what I've been so wonderfully appreciative of, and I know this is why I, I concur with what you're saying. I mean, it's got, uh, it's right now it's got 60 people on it. Um, and, and, but the open rates like 75% and there's people who are writing back, say, I look forward to getting this on Friday now. <laughs> and I'm just, this, what I'm learning from this is absolutely magical. And, and I get, I do it the day before. That's what I, <laughs> when I do mine, but I'm sure I'll get like you, but you know, and, Emphasis again on about that relationship piece that is, uh, that is so, so, so powerful. Um, the, uh, uh, in, in the, in the, um, the script that was sent to me, there was a, a reference point to this, and I would love to, for you to dive a little bit deeper into it. You're a very interesting man, by the way. And, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I love this conversation it, and it could go for hours. I'm sure. Um, it's, you said why every opportunity has an associated obligation attached to it. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, I, I was wondering, like, what are you going to bring up? <laughs> I don't remember what my publicist sent you. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yeah, so every opportunity is just a well-positioned obligation. And I think the, the way that I kind of explain it relates back to what I was talking about with freedom. And so I think that when we get, because working for ourselves can be a struggle, like it's definite, I would never tell people that entrepreneurship is easy. It's right. It can be sometimes, but definitely not always. And right. so I think when we get opportunities in our business, we tend to just be so excited that these opportunities are happening. We say yes. And sometimes we say yes to the wrong things, or sometimes we say yes to too many things. And sometimes we just think like, okay, well, I may not get another opportunity, which is always wrong, but our brains always tell us <laughs> that, it's, yeah. that it's true. And I just yeah. think that we need to, if we're working for ourselves, because we want more freedom, because we want more control over, over, over our course, then we should be able to decide. Like, me, if an opportunity isn't right for us, then it it should be okay to say no to it. And it can't. Right. It one hundred percent can be very difficult to do that. But I yes. think if we think about like why, what our purpose was to begin with, like why we started working for ourselves to begin with, then we can, then it can become easier to say no to some opportunities, not all, but, but some when it, it's a matter of like, okay, this doesn't really align with my purpose. So maybe, maybe mm -hmm. I don't want to do this for me. Like an easy example of that is speaking gigs. One, mm -hmm. I don't like to travel for work. I had to travel for work a couple times a week in my twenties. I'm sick of flying anywhere for work. Plus I live nice. in the middle of nowhere. It's too hard for me to travel <laughs> for work at it. the moment. And also, I don't really enjoy doing speaking gigs. I would rather show up for my audience in the ways that I do currently. So if somebody asked me to do a speaking gig, it's easy for me to say no because it doesn't it doesn't align with the way that I want to run my business. And it's easy for me to say no because it's a general rule. So I'm not saying no to one person personally. I'm just saying like, hey, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity, but I don't actually do speaking gigs. So yes. I'm not saying no to you. I'm just saying this is right. the general rule that I have. And most right. people are like, okay, cool. That, that's totally understandable. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that that's, uh, it, it's, it's ultimately all positioning mm. and, uh, you do that well. Um, are there bears where you live? There are. Yes. Okay. So let's presume, 
after this conversation that you go out and then for a nice walk and a bear attacks you and it's going to take you three weeks to crawl back to civilization while your wife is frantically trying to find you. What happens with your company of one business during that time period? Yeah. And that, that's a good question. It's actually something that people that like clients have, have asked me before and it's always the bear. It's a, it's a, I don't know All if right. I'm destined to be you eaten by a bear. You went swimming and the porpoise attacked you over there. So my business, so a lot of it runs on automation. So it's funny, revenue, if I did get eaten by a bear, revenue would keep happening, but support would be delayed. So there are people that, right. uh, that I'm friends with that have access to my things just in case something goes wrong. My wife also has access access to a lot of that because a lot of our finances are in sure. the corporation. So she's actually a director in the corporation. So there right. are contingencies in place. And I do have people where if the if the worst happens that they can kind of step in and transition things in a different or whatever direction they want. If I'm not around or if I'm like crawling in the woods, I don't care what they're doing with my business. But there, there's it. still a way for them to like answer support requests because uh, that goes to a general mailbox or the, the partners that I have and the software businesses that I have are able to step in and, and pick up that slack. So there are contingencies like that. I think it's important to kind of plan for that in, in any size business. I think it's important. Any CEO could be like mauled by yes. a <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's my point is I see a, I see a lot of these solopreneurs um, where I, I, I call it the proverbial, you get hit by a bus, what happens next? And they just not not thinking of it that way they're just shooting one they're they're not thinking of their downfall but also they're not really leveraging their time in which they're investing and in building in their business so i think you can still be a company one but still have a lot of cool friends that want to uh, that are a part of uh, your business should you happen to uh, to need them vacation whatever yeah so, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're you allowed us to take that uh, take you on that journey um i this isn't, I mean, I'm, I'm at 35 minutes, dude. And I, and I got a ton of stuff I want to talk. So we're going to talk about a couple more things sure. and then, uh, and then we're going to, uh, and one of them is, don't let me forget. I want to get, how do people one get a hold of you and what value can you bring to them in, uh, you know, in two sentences or less so sure. that they make that move to you. So I, I, I want to talk about teaching online courses because, uh, Online education is a tough one from a business perspective. How have you broken through that space where people, one, are interested in buying what it is that you're offering, but also, two, they actually engage in the course that you that they have just bought? Mm -hmm. And I, those are those are important questions. To to answer the first part of that. I worked at, so I don't know how to build a business any other way than I'll, than I'll describe. So I built my audience first, then listened to them for what they wanted from me, and then made those things. So if I made a course and went out and tried to sell it, I don't think it would do well. Like courses make up the bulk of my revenue right now. And I, the only reason that the courses that I have exist is because. I was getting a plethora of questions or emails from people saying like, hey, I, I, like, can you help me with this thing? Can you tell me about this thing? Can you show me how to do this thing? And I'm like, okay, I'm lazy. So <laughs> uh, how can I do this thing at scale? So I teach people how to do it and I teach one time, record it, and then can share it with them 
over and over again. So I don't have to write like 100 emails a month uh-huh. on freelancing or on using email marketing software. And so yeah. it, it is, it's been listening to my audience. And the, the good thing about that is, it, the good thing about having a connection with your audience is that they'll tell you what they want from you. Yeah. Because I email them every single Sunday for six years in a row, they kind of know what I, they kind of know the things I, I know and then they can ask me. And then I make what, I make things for him. I got a buddy of mine. Uh, his name's Mark, who emails every day his audience. What's your opinion on every day versus on just on Sunday? Depends on the audience. I think I love it. <laughs> uh, you know what I love about that is you got me. Yeah. In my own thought process. That's <laughs> of course, duh. The audience will tell you what they want. Yeah, and I've I've asked that like I've done surveys with my audience and seen like, do you want more emails? Do you want less emails? And the cadence and the consistency that I've built with them, they're all like, no, you're good. <laughs> like Sunday Brilliant. is perfect, and Sunday probably wouldn't work for other people because they they don't have they have a different audience. They have a, an audience mm. that wants different things from them. So it's testing, man. It's like test, test, test. Shit, you got me. <laughs> You, you didn't mean to, but you did. Because I, when I'm working with entrepreneurs, that's my shtick, obviously. And uh, is I always I ask them a question, and they give me the answer, and I, and I say, "Well, what does your what does your customer say to you?" And just <laughs> ah, of course, that's so brilliant, um, Paul. Uh, so yeah, let's kind of let's kind of end with this amazing conversation. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. Uh, what uh, what's the what's what's the, the the selling point? What's the kind of the shtick with you that you you say, this is what I can do, and this is how I can help you, and this is how you can find me. Yeah, I mean, the, the main thing that my audience values about me is that I bring up kind of counterintuitive thought-provoking ideas about entrepreneurship, like challenging the growth mindset. And I don't I don't even care if you agree with me or not. I would just <laughs> yeah. rather people think about these things. And right. so every Sunday I send out a kind of a, an article that, that challenges people. And I think that if you think that entrepreneurialism works in a single way, then I'd like to show you that there's multiple ways. And that's kind of what I bring to my audience. And how do, can they get access to that uh, that mailing list? Uh, PJRVS.com or just Google Paul Jarvis. PJRVS.com. VS.com. Love it. Because I'm, I'm going on. That's why I'm, I'm taking <laughs> the time to write it down. Yeah, and of course we'll promote it. Um, any last words, my friend? No, I think we covered a lot. This is a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah, well, damn it, that's good because that's if I get a fun comment, then I did a good job. <laughs> I was uh, I was told once by a CBC guy that if you get a, uh, I, w- I was like fun and that's a great question. But the guy from CBC said uh, the only reason they're saying that's a great question is because they're pausing before <laughs> they ultimately had to answer. It's uh, it's kind of a new lukewarm connection yeah, with me. Yeah. Now. But Paul Jarvis, this has been absolutely freaking amazing. I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, are you on? Uh, uh, you on LinkedIn? No, you're not. No, you told I'm me not you on LinkedIn. PJRVS.com. <laughs> That's the one and only way which you can make magic happen in your life. Thank you, sir, so much. Enjoy your day. Watch out for the bears. All right. Cheers, man. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 